And so last week we looked at the fear of man, and Jesus challenges his disciples as he sends them out to do ministry. He equips them, and then he empowers them to go out and to be a courageous people. And he says, as you go, I send you out like sheep among wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves or harmless as doves, knowing that you're going to appear before rulers and people of influence, people that might employ you, people in your life, your friends, your family, and you're going to have the opportunity to bear my name, to bear witness to who I am and what I'm about. And so I want to tell you a couple things, and he goes on to actually tell the people that, uh, yeah, they're going to be subjected to scourging, and people aren't going to get them, and they're going to reject them, and some are even going to despise them and hate them. And so that we, as his disciples now in 2019, we can hear the same message and not get pushed out of shape when people scourge us on social media, come on, when they don't get what we're about, when they don't like your post or your, or your little Bible picture with the scripture on it, all right? Know that some people are just going to reject you, and you have to learn to be okay with rejection. You have to learn to be okay with being hated and sometimes even just despised. And then he goes on to tell us that we as his people will encounter hardship. We're going to encounter things that sometimes are just tough. Most of us in this room have been alive long enough to endure a little pain and to go through seasons that are difficult and tough. And Jesus says, be of good cheer. Don't get stressed out. Don't get anxious. Don't freak out. Don't run home to mom. Just know that I've overcome the world. And so today I want to take a little bit of a left turn to the book of Joshua. And I want to highlight a couple fears that I think we need to learn to be aware of as a courageous people living in the earth today. And so if you have your Bibles, you can go with me to Joshua chapter 1. We're going to begin right there in verse 1 through 2. I'm going to be reading from the ESV version. And it says this in verse 1, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses' right-hand dude, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Go over the Jordan, you and all the people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. And so right away, we pick up the story at a key and crucial moment in Israel's history. It's a moment where a great change has begun to take place in their life. And so God comes along and he chooses a new representative because their former representative, Moses, is now dead. And I want to say right off the bat that change, as we experience it, often brings about a kind of death. Change often brings about a kind of death. A death to what we've known, a death to what we've come to expect, and a death sometimes to what we've experienced before. That said, Joshua has now been appointed the new leader. And God has set him in and has said, I want you to lead the people of Israel. And he's giving him specific instruction as to how he's supposed to lead the people. And we pick up in verse 5 and it says this. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you and I will not leave you or forsake you. Verse 6. And here it is. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people, the people of Israel, to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. And so right away, God assures Joshua that he's going to be with him. 
And he says things like, I'm never going to leave you. And I'm not going to forsake you. And then he gives him, in addition to that assurance, a new command. He says, I give you a new command. And here it is. Be strong and courageous. Maybe you came in today and you saw that on our banners. You see it in our print. You see that on our website. And to go backwards just a few years, as I was praying about the Lord leading us to plant Courageous Church, I said, Lord, what kind of church would you want us to pastor and lead? Because ultimately, they're your people. All right, it's your church. Jesus said, I'm building my church and the gates of Hades or death or hell, however you want to translate it, will not prevail against it. It's the one thing that God is building in the earth today, his church. And, and so I said, God, you know, how would you have me lead the people? How would you have me love and care for and, and inspire and encourage and equip and empower people? And he said, courageously. I'm calling you to be a courageous church, to be strong and courageous. And he led me to this passage, and then he took me into Deuteronomy, and then he took me into other passages. And what I learned is that actually God tells his people, not just Joshua, not just David, not just Jeremiah, not just Isaiah, not just the kings, not just those of influence, not just those in the Old Testament, but even in the New Testament. He tells his people over and over and over and over again, be strong and courageous. And it's always paired with this statement, do not fear. Do not be afraid. And so right, right away, God assures Joshua that he's going to be with him and not leave him and that he doesn't need to be afraid. And he actually, in this chapter, says it three times, be strong and courageous. Therefore, I say it again, be strong and courageous. And then he says it a third time, be strong and courageous. It's like, God, is there, a, is there an echo in the room? Is, is, do we have an, an issue with our hearing? I think we do. We hear the words, but we don't always believe them. And so God, knowing our fragility, knowing our humanity, is not intimidated or put off or frustrated with us. He just knows that we need to hear it again and again and again and again so that we could then begin to start believing and rehearsing and repeating within our minds, yeah, you've called me to be courageous. You've called me not to be afraid, not to fear. And he goes on to say this in, in verse 9. Do not be frightened. Don't be freaked out. Don't be terrified. Don't be scared. And do not be dismayed. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Why does God say this? In addition to the need for us to hear it. He says it because he knows that when change happens, particularly in Joshua's life here, but also in our lives, he knows that when change happens, the first thing that we're going to face is this little four-letter word called fear. Not only does God know that we're going to have to face our fears, he knows that change itself is going to present new fears and new obstacles that we're going to have to learn to overcome. And so today, I just want to talk about two things. Last week, we talked about three, but today I want to talk about two things that I believe we need to be most aware of in our overcoming the fear of change. Are you with me today? Yeah. All right. The first hard truth about the fear of change, here it is. We don't want to experience loss. I'm going to let that settle in just a moment. We don't want to experience loss. We don't want to lose people or lose things that are dear to us. And as a result, we're often afraid that if we embrace change, if we embrace the new, 
that we're gonna encounter loss, that we're gonna lose out on something. Did you know this is one of everyone's greatest fears? A recent survey that I read, actually uh, on fear, this one was on the, in the top five of, of 10 major fears that people fear most, it's change. And at the root of it, it's loss. If I embrace this, it means that I have to let go of this. And if I embrace this, it might mean that I might lose this. And so underlining this fear of change is this reality of experiencing loss. And at some level, let's be honest, nobody wants to lose the people or the things that are dear to them. But inevitably, if you're in this life and you're a human being and there's breath in your lungs, you're going to experience loss. It's inevitable. Just look at Joshua. He says in Joshua 1 verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Okay, do you think the loss of Moses affected Joshua personally? You better believe it did. Do you think Joshua felt ready to arise and move forward as the new leader? Of course not. And how do we know that? Well, God tells him to be strong, courageous, not once, but three times. And anytime God has to repeat himself, it's obviously because we either can't hear him or we don't believe him. And so obviously Joshua had probably some concerns, probably some fears. And the reality of losing his mentor, his coach, his leader, his teacher, Moses, probably was a real fear and a real obstacle that he had to face. I can relate to Joshua, and I think you can too. And I think for most of us, when we face change, when we uh, care about somebody or something enough, the idea of losing that person or that thing can be detrimental. The idea of, of going through a divorce or going through the, the, the loss of a relationship, some of you in this room have already endured that. And you know firsthand the pain and the hurt that's involved with real loss. There's a song written by the artist Coldplay. Uh, I believe it's entitled Fix You. And it talks about losing something that you can't replace. Has anybody ever experienced that reality before? I hate losing things. All right, I really need that GPS on my keys. <laughs> Because when I lose my keys, I'm like, man, my keys are gone. And my wife's like, chill out. It's going to be okay. I'm like, no, you don't understand. I lost them. Or, or maybe it's not your keys. Maybe it's your wallet. You ever wash your wallet or your purse before? You, the panic sets in. You're like, oh, my gosh, my license and my credit cards and my lagoon pass. Like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? They'll never let me in without that pass. And so there's that sense of, like, I don't want to lose things that I can't replace. And some of those things are replaceable, and it's funny, but there's some things in our life that aren't replaceable. You know, that relationship with somebody that was a dear friend for 30 years. For those of you that have been alive long enough to have a friend like that, I'm fortunate enough to have a friend like that. He's sitting right here. <laughs> but the reality is, is that it's painful sometimes when we go through loss or, or when we approach seasons where God's asked us to walk through that and deal with this reality. And sometimes the the thing that we really are afraid of is the hurt. We don't want to hurt. And the thing I've learned about hurt people is that they tend to hurt people. A lot of times we have people in our life that are hurting. And we get kind of frustrated with the way they treat us, but the reality is they're just hurting because hurt people hurt people. Hurting people are often the people that are the most afraid. That's why when you look at the issue of bullying, usually the bully is the most afraid person. Usually they're just afraid and they're hurt. And they don't know how to process that reality, so they lash out. But the truth is, for many of us, if not most of us, we're going to experience loss. We're going to experience hurt. We're going to experience pain. So what do we do 
when we face those issues? What do, how do we handle that? How do we manage that? How do we respond? Our tendency is that we tend to hold on and cling to our lives. We tend to grab a hold and not let go. But the call of Jesus, the call to love, follow, and serve him courageously in the earth, to be his disciple, is to let go and to trust. It's to surrender all. And some of us are okay surrendering some. But the truth is, God has asked us to surrender all. And so the call of Jesus comes to us. And it says, yeah, I know you want to hold on to that. And I know you're afraid to lose that. I know you're afraid to walk away from that job because you're, you're not sure how you're going to meet the bills. You're not going to sure where that car is going to come from. You don't know what's going to happen. And God goes, but I'm calling you to a life of surrender. I'm calling you to trust me, to release it, to let it go, and to trust him with the control of our lives. And this is the call to a life of faith. It's a call to action. It's not just a call to right belief. Right belief is important because it sets you in the right path and it gets your feet set in the right direction. But faith is a call to action. So if you, if you, if you say, well, I'll, you know, I'll trust God and I'll surrender God when I get around to it or when it's convenient or when everything's like working out great for me and you haven't actually taken any steps of faith to actually do so, then you actually haven't begun to walk out your faith. You might believe all the right things, and there are people all around us that might have the right thoughts about God. But you know that the biggest journey is from here to here. It's from what's in here translating down into what changes this, your heart and your willingness to step out in faith and be a person that embraces not only loss and change and fear, but does so in surrender. Why? Because like Joshua, God comes to us and he says, I'm going to be with you. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. I know it's scary to let go of this because this looks so amazing or so incredible. But would you be willing to trust me with what you haven't seen? Would you be willing to trust me with what you don't know? Because there's a whole lot more that God has for us over here. And most of our life is spent somewhere in the gap between Oh, I really like this. I want to cling to my stuff and my things and my relationships to letting go and clinging to Jesus and clinging to the, the unknown and clinging to the things that he has for us that require us to step out in faith and to embrace change, to embrace loss, to embrace pain, to, to walk through those things. Why? So that we can just endure them. No, so that we can get to the goal, to the prize, which is Jesus. Jesus is the one that we seek. He's the one that we're after. And so he's saying, come on, follow me. Come follow me. I've got everything you need, all right? I've got daily bread for you. Come on, follow me. I've got everything that you need. I just need you to step out of the boat and trust me. And that's what he says to us. And that's what he's saying to Joshua here. We see it again in verse five. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will be with you. He says it again in verse nine. For the Lord your God, he just wants to make sure Joshua is clear, is with you wherever you go, I will be with you. Wherever you go, whatever you do, I will be with you. Church, if there's any point that you walk away with today that you actually grab a hold of with your heart, it's this, knowing that God is with you. Knowing that the presence of God goes before you and that he stands with you. And that if we could just get beyond the things that we hold on to, 
and our issues with trust. And if we could begin to, to release and to let go and to trust Jesus, we'd be surprised and amazed by how much better the things are that God has awaiting us. He says, no eye has seen, no heart has fully known all the things that he's prepared in advance for those that love him. That means God's got good things in store for us. So we can count on that, amen? My prayer for Courageous Church, at the end of the day, you know, we, we wanna be dynamic in everything we do. But my, my greatest prayer, my central prayer, is that we would know the presence of God, that we would know that God is with us and that he is for us. And I hope that you would begin to lean into that reality for yourself. The second hard truth I wanna look at today about the fear of change is that we don't wanna be uncertain. Hmm. This one was also in the top five. The fear of uncertainty or the unknown. And this one's a real troubling one for many of us. How many of you out there love to be in the know? All right, when you show up at a party or you show up at work, you like to kind of know what's going on. Anybody else a uh, control freak like me? Okay, you like to know the details. You like to know what's going on, what's the scoop? Okay, the hard part with uncertainty is that it, it directly challenges our desire and need to know. We want to be a people that are informed. We want to know. I mean, we've got networks of news and devices that are constantly keeping us in the new. I got to get on Instagram and see what's going on. I got to get on Facebook and see what's happening because I need to be in the know. Because heaven forbid I turn that off for a day or two and miss out on everybody's life. Because we want to be in the know. But you know what we really want? We want certainty. And we're uncomfortable with uncertainty. And it becomes a fear and, a, and attached to this fear of change that we have to learn to deal with and embrace. Here's the thing I've, I've come to learn about uncertainty is that it can be a paralyzer. It can get you stuck. You ever been stuck before where you're just not sure what to do and you're kind of uncertain and you're, so you're waiting, you're kind of just sitting back? I'll just kind of wait and see how that plays out and then I'll make my move. I'll just kind of sit back and, and, and wait till I got all the facts and, and then I'll be certain and then I'll make my move. And sometimes if we're not careful, us over-analytical types, us types that love to be in the know, can get stuck because we're waiting for facts and information and details. We want to be informed and we want to be in the know. But next thing you know, we're stuck in a rut or in place and we haven't grown or we haven't moved forward because uncertainty can be a paralyzer if we're not careful. Someone once said to me, Jason, it's actually a lot easier to steer a moving vehicle than a parked one. And I think sometimes many of us, good meaning Christians, those that love Jesus, sometimes say things like, I'm just kind of waiting on God. What does that really mean? Are you at home really on your knees in your closet just praying and contending and seeking the face of God? Or are you just sort of using that as sort of an excuse? I've been there. I've, you know what? I, and I'm preaching to myself today because here's the deal, people. I've been in times and seasons where I wasn't sure what to do. And the fear of the unknown, of the unknown was a real factor in my life. And I was like, I don't know. I guess I'm just going to wait on God. And so I just kick back. And I turn on Netflix. You know, I'm waiting on God. <laughs> and I'm binge watching like The Office or Parks and Rec. And I'm just waiting on God, you know. And God's like, huh, it's funny, I've been waiting on you. 
<laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> and the truth is, is that it is easier to move, uh, to steer a moving car than a, than a parked one. A lot of times we're just stuck in park. And God's going, listen, I don't need you to know all the facts. I don't need you to have all the information, all the details worked out. You know what I need you to do? Just take a step. Just do something. Just get the car moving, and I'll come along and help you guide it to where it's supposed to go. But a lot of times we're just stuck. And he's like, no, 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 come on. Just get it going. Yeah, I know, I know. Oh, you haven't finished your degree. That's okay. Just, just get the car going. And I'll, I'll move you in the right way. Oh, you don't have the job you want? That's okay. Just work really great within the one you have. And, and, and just trust me with where I've placed you. And get the car going. And start driving it. And you'll be surprised putting your faith in motion, how God will just come along subtly and begin to just go, all right, now we're going to move into this lane. All right, and this is the fast lane. All right, now we're going to make some progress. But many of us are stuck in park when God's telling us just to put it in drive and just go. The Bible says, and I think it's James, that faith without works is dead. James says if you, if you really want to demonstrate that you believe that you're a great believer, you're this great Jesus follower, then put your faith into action. Do something. Drive the car and, and trust that God in his infinite wisdom and sovereignty is good enough and wise enough and capable and able and willing enough to actually help you. See, that's what the fear of change wants to do. It wants to have, get us stuck. So we're like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know all the facts. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know, I don't know. And God's going, no, 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 come on. Come on. Let's rev this engine. Let's go. I'll help you figure out where you're going. Trust me. Right, Because at the end of the day, it, this is about trust. And sometimes I think we trust ourselves and we trust the way we want to manage our world and our life and the way that we order existence in a way that makes sense to us. And God sometimes wants to defy those limitations. He wants to be able to explode your box so that you can experience the greater things that he has in store for you. And I'm telling you, church, I believe that God has got good things in store for us. So he says this to, 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 to Joshua in chapter one, verse two. He says, go over the Jordan, you and all the people into the land. Do you think Joshua was certain about everything that awaited him across the Jordan? No. How do I know this? Well, he, number one, he actually sends out spies because Joshua's like me and he wants to know. Like, let's figure out what's going on over there. Oh, there's some giants. Oh, there's some Nephilim. Oh, there's some crazy dudes with axes and stuff. All right, let's, let's figure it out. Let's, let's send some spies over there because he wants to know. So I know Joshua wrestled with, I don't know what's over there waiting for us. God said, do it. Take the people and go. And he sends spies. Now, I'm not saying he was walking in disobedience or anything like that, but he had a propensity like I do and probably like many of you do to want to know before he stepped over that Jordan. I wonder, what is your Jordan today that God's asking you to step over? What is he asking you to cross? And you're going, well, maybe I should spy it out first. Kind of put my toe in a little bit, make sure the water's a little warm. What's your Jordan? See, all of us have a Jordan. All of us have a, a, a thing in our life that God's calling us to step over. And there's multiple times and moments and seasons of us stepping over Jordans. So it's not just, I did that like when I was 20 and now I'm good. It's like, well, what's your new Jordan that God's asked you to cross? What's the new thing that he's asking you to, like, trust him with? The other reason I know Joshua struggled with uncertainty was that they'd never lived there before. 
Like his generation, the people that grew up in bondage to Egypt had never lived in the land of Canaan before. Their great ancestors did, but their generation knew not that life. So they had no clue what was awaiting for them there. And the truth is, is that when the new comes into our life, sometimes that is a scary thing. When something that's foreign and new is presented to us, a lot of times our, our natural tendency isn't to just like wrap our arms around it and be like, oh yeah, the new thing, yeah, come on. Actually, usually it's a little bit of resistance. It's a little bit of fear. It's a little bit of trepidation. It's a little bit of uh, casual passivity where we're like just kind of passive about it. Like we're, it's apathy sometimes. I don't really care. It's indifference. When the new thing comes, God challenges us because we've grown to love the old thing. And some of you, you're, you're measuring your involvement and your, your willingness to get involved with this church based on your last church. Come on, let's be honest. I do it. We all do it. Like, well, you know, my last church had the worship leader. You know, he was really good, really anointed. And the pastor, like, he, he preached the way that you're supposed to preach. And that coffee was always brewed at the right temperature. And the sound guy, he was hot. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what your, what your measurement is. Maybe it's none of those things. I hope that. I hope this is like your first experience with the church of God. I love that, if it is. But the truth is, is that many of us compare our new thing to the previous thing. Some of you treat people this way. You know, you treat your, your, your employer that way. Like my last employer was, was a real micromanager. So now I'm going to be real reject, rejecting of, of, of the next one I, I face. Maybe it's, well, I really liked this person, and, but you're nothing like this person. And God goes, do you trust me with the new? Are you still comparing it to the old? And see, the challenge isn't just for us to get over Jordan. The challenge is for us to leave our Egypt, yeah. is to leave what we knew in that season and that time. That may have been a good thing, but could actually become bondage in your life. We can't allow the good things of God to become the enemies of the great things of God. But you know how they become the enemies of the greater things? When we make them into idols, when we cling to them, when we put them up on a mantle and worship them, and we're like, oh, this was the best, it was the greatest. Maybe it was. Give you the benefit of the doubt. Maybe it was the greatest. But would you be willing to trust God with the new? And see, he calls us to step over that Jordan and to say, you know what? Yeah, it means I gotta leave some stuff behind. I got to let go of my Egypt. Because, you know, and at some point Israel even goes, man, it was so much better back in Egypt. We had all this and we had all that. You know, now we're out here in the wilderness and it's just not like what we thought it was going to be. God, you told us to plant this church and it wasn't what we thought it was going to be. Man, life was so much better where I came from. And God goes, oh, okay. So you want to you go back to your old way of life, do you? Many of us, that's the that's the the conflict, that's the rub. Because God is challenging us to keep growing, to keep evolving, to keep expanding, to keep moving forward. And we're stuck sometimes holding on to the good things. And they've now become the enemy of the greater things. And so he does this with Joshua and he puts his finger right in Joshua's business. And he goes, I want you to, to come over, to cross over that Jordan and to take the people with you. And I'm gonna show you how to lead them. I'm going to tell you what to say. I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to be with you 
wherever you go and whatever you do. Here's some of the things that I've learned about the new. The new can be unexpected. The new can be surprising. You know, when God called us, Candace and I, to return to Utah, my wife, she grew up in Utah. She grew up in Salt Lake City. When God first called us to, to return here to come back, it was a scary idea. It was scary. Like, God, don't you know, it's kind of hard to do church. It's kind of hard to plant churches there. God's like, oh, really? <laughs> I didn't know this. Thanks for informing me. <laughs> God, and, and I don't know if I'm, like, prepared or ready, you know. God's like, oh, really? I didn't know this. And God, I don't know if you know this, but, like, we don't have a building, so we might have to, like, rent a theater. Oh, really? I didn't, I didn't know that. And like, I don't know if you, and so I'm, here I am trying to inform God and God's trying to bring me to the new thing. He's trying to bless me because ultimately God wants to bless us. I hope you hear this. Ultimately, God wants to bless you. But sometimes the way and the, man, the manner in which he wants to bless you is going to require your faith and your obedience when things are scary, uncertain, and unknown. And it's gonna require you to let go of the old and cross over your Jordan and step into the new Despite the giants that might be waiting for you, those big hairy creatures with big clubs. Okay, there's some real giants in this land. Some of you have seen churches and, and pastors taken out by real giants. Come on, some of you have friends that wrestle with depression and suicide and pornography. I know the giants that are in this land. The truth is, there are going to be giants. But God is with us. God is with you. Just as he was with Joshua, he is with you. So whatever Jordan he's asking you to step over, know that God is with you. He says it in verse nine. Have I not commanded you? Have I not told you before? Have I not made it abundantly clear? Did I not spell it out for you? What, Lord? What? Be strong. Be courageous. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is exactly what Jesus told his followers before he ascended to be with the Father. In Matthew 28, and I'll close with this, verses 19 through 20. It echoes this sentiment actually quite perfectly as, a, as probably the best parallel that I can find. And Jesus tells his disciples, go, cross over your Jordan, leave your Egypt, and make disciples of all nations. Yeah, I know life was good for you in Jerusalem, but now I'm calling you to go, to get out of Jerusalem and to go beyond. And he says, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Immerse them in a new reality. Because the old reality was, was according to Adam. Sin and fallenness and brokenness and shattered relationships and pain. But the new reality is according to the second Adam, Jesus Christ, my beloved son. Be baptized in that reality so that you can then turn around and baptize others. Immerse them in the new. Bring them out of their old way of life, stuffy traditions of men that do nothing but drag down and distort the truth. And bring them into the new. Where the spirit and the father exist in a perfect triune community of love ready to outpour into your life, ready to change and transform you and to bless you so that you can be a blessing. Baptize them in that reality. 
That's really, church, what we're trying to do. When we, when, we, when we baptize people, we're not just trying to go through the ceremony and ritual of taking them down into the water, although symbolically we know what that represents. It's leaving the old. It's being baptized into his death so that we could be raised to his life. And his life is the new. He says, behold, I'm making all things new. You're a new creation. He's calling us to the new. But some of us are still holding on. Ah, I want the old. The old's better. And he goes, no, no, no. Be baptized in the new. Where my father and my son and my spirit exist. So that you can know that reality for yourself. That's the presentation. And teach them. Teach them what? Teach them to observe here it is, all that I have commanded. We hear God say this all throughout the scriptures. Have I not commanded? Have I not commanded? Have I not commanded? And here Jesus is saying, teach them what he's commanded. Not what he's suggested. There's a lot of alternatives out there. There's a lot of alternatives, a lot of different ways. But there's only one true way. And that's why he says, teach them that way. Teach them all that I have commanded. And here's the kicker. And behold, Wake up, because I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. And not just with us, sometimes, when we can feel him. Ooh, I got the shivers. I know he's there. Always. God is with us, and he's with us always. So you can be sure that whatever you face and whatever Jordan he's calling you to cross over, that he is with you always. And David, the psalmist, said, if my God is for me, who can be against me? If my God is with me, who then shall I fear? So do not fear. 